0: It is Wednesday, December 12th. I'm here in my office just recording this little intro for episode six of the Immaculate Podcast. Uh, Thank you for all of our listeners who keep tuning in. This episode features Terry Henderson. and He talks about sacred music. If you want to hear a little bit more about sacred music you can tune into episode three which is where terry and i talk about grand scope sacred music in this episode we talk a little bit more about how we evangelize through sacred music so it's a little bit more uh, focused on one thing and we also get into praise and worship and what praise and worship kind of means again thank you for listening to to our podcast if you want to continue to receive updates on new episodes that happen You can visit us on soundcloud.com and search The Immaculate Podcast. All of our episodes will be there, and as new episodes get posted to SoundCloud, you should get notified. Um, You can also get these on our website at smip.org. On our homepage, we have a bunch of buttons at the bottom that lead to different media outlets, and The Immaculate Podcast is one of them, so we have a page with all of our episodes that we've recorded thus far on there as well. Um, This episode was recorded a little while ago with the busyness of Christmas. I haven't had time to really stay as consistent with the recording of our podcast as possible, but uh, we should be getting a new one soon. I think we're going to be recording with Father Mike in the next few days or so, so be on the lookout for that. And without further ado, here is Terry is the Immaculate Podcast. I'm your host, John West. I'm still the host. They haven't kicked me out yet. <laughs>
1: oh, I, mean, I love how you add comedy. It's so funny. <laughs> uh,
0: Back back at it again, Terry Anderson. <laughs>
1: Terry, how's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, so
0: if you didn't hear our last one, uh, we were talking a lot about sacred sacred music. Terry is our music director here at the parish, and so we're going to talk a little bit today more about like particularly evangelizing with music and what parish music particularly is like uh the previous one with terry was more grand scope of what music is uh particularly sacred music um so we're going to kind of narrow it down a little bit (laughs) our (laughs) last conversation was pretty grand scope (laughs) and uh while i thought interesting still like you know we can narrow it down a little bit so i guess my first question for you then is uh, how do you go about picking the music for our Sunday liturgies and kind of break down difference between like your personal preferences, like versus like something
1: that we absolutely need to have in liturgy. Mm. Those are great questions. So typically I take, I plan through a cycle. So liturgical calendar year, ordinary time, Lent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I usually break those up. So I'll go right now. We're, we're at whatever Sunday to thanksgiving and then that's how much i planned then i'll go from thanksgiving to the to the beginning of advent and then i'll go advent through christmas and keep going so um i take a lot of readings i read all the readings for every sunday i'm graciously you know handed a planning book that comes in the mail from all of our you know ocp and gia they give us Mm -hmm. all the readings and i have a A book that has every Sunday in it, and I read the gospel and all that, and try my best to relate songs to the gospel and to all the readings. So each Sunday usually has a theme. Always, it can't always happen because there's only so many songs in the world, and there's only so many readings. So you can only you can you can imagine how hard and how easy that can be based on which Sunday it is. So after you take the time to read and reflect and discern on what, you, what you're what you getting from all those readings. I'll go in and look at the suggestions of songs they have for the, that week. And I'll either pick from that list or go a completely different direction. And a lot of that's based on how I'm feeling in the moment or how I think the congregation will respond to the music that I've planned. And each, like from entrance to offertory, to communion, to dismissal, all has to have this this kind of flow and sequence that makes sense. Um, purpose of music obviously is not to disrupt the mass, but to enhance it. Right. So my personal preference could be something completely not good for that week. Yeah. You know, and I would have to say, okay, thematically, it doesn't make sense to plan this grand song when we're talking about the Beatitudes. Why? You know, and. the, the the choosing of songs get easier as you keep doing it because obviously the readings become more consistent, but also not because also the readings are on a three-year cycle. Right. So, yeah, they
0: change every <laughs> so. Every year, so the, also is... they're
1: not the same, but the themes are kind of the same. So taking that information and kind of just well, it's it becomes bigger than myself. It's just I'm more than just plugging in songs, but I'm you know I'm responsible for how people are experiencing the mass at that point, and. lot of pressure yeah but yeah no
0: kidding because i mean i've i've to it seems like the two main things that people look for when they go to a parish are how good is the priest preaching Mm -hmm. and is it music that i jive with Mm -hmm. and so i'm the liturgy director here at the parish so i've i do a lot of scheduling ministers and i always joke with you that i do everything up until the first note is played and then i'm i've clap my hands and (laughs) (laughs) walk away and I'm like, well, it's in Terry's hands now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right, Terry, get us home. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, and it's really the truth. It's people think, you know, I just sit in my office and just like throw songs in a a schedule and like figure it out. Yeah. That's not the case. Oh yeah. There's a lot more preparation that goes into that. And even with, you know, having a staff of priests that are very particular about like how things flow, Mm Hmm. um, it makes my job more important to be cognizant of what they like and what they want and how they want a mass to go, and that's always kind of like, ah, <laughs> did you like that or like was it okay? And you know, like like you said, there are a lot of things that are standard for a mass. Like you have to sing the Gloria every week until mm-hmm. we get to that season of the church year where you don't sing it.
0: Yeah, the Psalm pretty much is. What's going to be... Yeah. yeah,
1: and so stuff like that, I can't really manipulate. I can manipulate versions, but I can't manipulate what it is, the text, like the Alleluia. We can use the mass setting or the Celtic. Only usually use Celtic on major feast days. So like stuff like that are the, only, are the things that I can't really change, which makes it easier because I have a set of plugins that I have to do every week.
0: Yeah. Do you find that there's a lot of pressure with people kind of depending on the music as being their major draw to going to mass
1: yeah and one of the first things that was told to me when i got here was that we want you to enhance the musical experience yeah regardless whoever was here before you doesn't matter like your job here now is to take our music ministry to the next level people and it's true people leave churches because of what music sounds like yeah that's like you don't like the opening hymn or you don't like the way it sounds. You don't like, like who's singing. You don't like who's playing. You don't like the choir. People are like, I'm going to go to a different
0: church. Well, it's such an easy thing to pick on, too, because yeah. they do a lot of the heavy lifting for us. Mm-hmm. And we're very appreciative of it because without a leader of song or accompanist, we'd be toast.
1: Yeah. like there, There's no way we could yeah. organize ourselves. So to answer your question, a lot of pressure. I mean, now getting into the third year with kind of knowing what I'm doing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's – you know, I'm I'm, pretty, I'm more confident on the decisions that I make and, like, how I want things and stuff like that. But it is a lot of pressure. But it's also validating when people come up to you and say, the music was great this week. We loved it. I was crying in the back of my pew. You know, stuff like that makes me happy. It sounds weird, but when I make people cry and make people, you know, feel the emotion of the spirit – I did my job. When you made Father Pat kind of start crying during the Easter
0: Vigil, you were like, mission accomplished. Yes.
1: I can sleep tonight. And that I mean, I was crying directing. It was a very powerful moment, and I think that's one of the beauties of music.
0: I was buried in the working sacristy turning on the bells from the over for the overhead church. And so I was just listening to the trumpets because the trumpets were like above Yeah,
1: they're above the altar.
0: Yeah, so they weren't like suspended Peter Pan style. They had like we have this kind of back area behind mm-hmm. our sanctuary that uh, we have storage there for like arts and environment different stuff like that. And as you go up, you can walk up to the very top mm-hmm. and kind of look out bird's eye view over the entire congregation. Yeah. And we had trumpets up there.
1: Yeah. Big surprise. No one knew about it. Um, and it was kind of funny to see like all the priests kind of like turn like, what, where is that coming from? And I mean, not a dry eye. So, it was it was a very Yeah, proud that was moment. a cool moment. Yeah.
0: And even though I wasn't witnessing it, I was still feeling it from where I was. Yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah. Um so we have our music that we have at at the mass. Also the kind of music that gets lumped in with like parish music is like praise and worship type of music. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as your thoughts on praise and worship because that seems to be kind of a divisive thing too. A lot of people a lot of people love it, a lot of people you know, like, eh, it doesn't really get me there like mm-hmm. what, what what would you say to the person who uh is kind of arguing the opposite against praise and worship
1: i think it depends on what your definition of praise and worship is okay so um, let
0: me let me define that then for you um like you know k-love mm-hmm. like i would consider that like praise and worshipy okay um <laughs> Like turn that into a verb, worshipy, <laughs> praise and worshipy. Uh,
1: Are you a fan of Hillsong?
0: Yeah, I mean, certain Hillsong, like David Crowder Band, okay. Mercy Me, that type of. Okay, praise and worship, I yeah. guess.
1: So for me, I mean, I obviously come from a very different background when it comes to like church music, praise and worship music. Yeah. Um, just because of cultural differences. Sure. Um, so, coming from a very prominent African-american community and coming to a very prominent white community those definitions are different and the music's different obviously right um, so regardless of where you come from there's always something said about music that will bring you closer to Christ and if you're not open to that then you're automatically going to say it's not for me and that's one of that's my biggest so when people say it doesn't work I don't like it I I don't connect with it. I always ask, well, did you give it a chance? And of course you have to find like your songs and your rhythms and stuff like that. I mean, it does not work for everyone, but I think there's possibilities in every direction and you just have to find it. And that's something I try to do here is kind of like draw from like every angle to like kind of feet. It's a massive place. Mm -hmm. So not everyone likes, you know, standard hymns. Not everyone likes... The Voices is one book. I personally, not a big fan of it, but like a lot of people in the congregation love those songs and great. And if that works for them, awesome. And if I get into more contemporary style music, which is like the six o'clock mass's goal, which we're trying to move more into.
0: Yeah. For those who don't know, the six o'clock mass here is uh, labeled a contemporary mass Mm -hmm. and is labeled more contemporary for its music. Yeah.
1: So we're, we're trying to really use more contemporary style music and not you know, kind of just drawing on what we did during the day during Sunday and kind of making that six o'clock experience more of a praise and worship experience. But I think people that have, they like to argue like, well, it's not really giving me anything. I think they have to like really try to let go. And it's hard for people to let go to just like any type of liturgical or church music and just let it fill you. Mm -hmm. Because people are very like, this is just a song and it sounds great, awesome. Let's move on. Let's pray now. But music can be used as a form of prayer. And if you allow that to happen, then you can see the gates open. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Because praise and worship is something that I have kind of a love-hate relationship with. Um, Back when I was in high school, I really, really loved it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was something that um, really helped me get to a different place. Ah, uh, particularly just be, as guys, guys aren't as emotional. So like, when something kind of stirs within you, mm. as a song emotionally, it's like, oh wow, that's cool, and it helps you, you get there. And then like, as I've, I think as I've gotten older, I think I've just gotten jaded to it a mm. little bit. Yeah. Um, which I need to, maybe find that love again. Mm. I would never hate on anybody for for enjoying that because mm-hmm. I think there are, are sections of people, particularly, uh, people who are more. Uh, traditional and how they view uh, sacred music mm-hmm. are kind of like ah eh, you know that's that's not that's not like real God music and right. it's like well what's real God music you exactly. know like you I think there is a certain level where it needs to if it bring like you said if it brings you closer to Christ then that's something that is valid
1: right and <clears throat> excuse me going back to like the cultural experience I grew up with a lot of gospel music. Yeah. And a lot of, like, Southern music and stuff like that while trying to understand how does this relate to sacred music? That's all I've been taught, you know? Yeah. But, like, growing up, it was, like, stomp your feet, clap your hands, stand up, give God all the glory in the room. And it was, like, and it was amazing. And, like, I was, as a young musician, I was so focused on, like, what was going on and wasn't focused on what w- what was sounding like and what the music was doing. Mm-hmm. So looking back on that, I have a very big appreciation for gospel music and I listen to it a lot every Sunday. And figuring out like, okay, well this is different, but it also, it's doing the exact same thing that I'm doing at St. Mary's. It's just different. And that's kind of a big fear that like a lot of churches have when they like stray away from what they're used to. Yeah. And I mean, even big choral pieces that I bring in, People are like, they'll sit back in the pew on Sunday morning and be like, what was that? Like, did you hear the text, though? Or were you just like jarred? That's it.
0: That's what it is. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's like equal parts uh, words, melody, Mm -hmm. which you you have to again, you have to be cognizant of it because, you know, certain certain Catholic hymns get kind of poo pooed because they're not like traditional Catholic theology and stuff. And it's like, well, you got to. Like, the content's still got to be there, mm-hmm. in there. Like, if it's still got to draw you close to God, regardless of...
1: Yeah, listen uh, to what we're saying, or they're saying. Mm-hmm. Listen to what, what the message is. And, you know, church music gets put in a box all the time.
0: Amen to that.
1: It's always like, this is what it is. This is what it needs to sound like. Everything has to be this way. Done. Not true. How you do a liturgy, Yes your rules how you give communion <laughs> yeah. yes how you baptize someone absolutely can't change that right but that's not what music is for you know you gotta we're all so used to like it being one way and and you can't evangelize that way you, it's not possible because obviously generations change right so i mean the younger generation is not going to connect with amazing grace the way our grandparents did Yeah. If it was saying differently, like, this is Amazing Grace, like the the new version, they're like, oh, that's great. But the older generation are like, ah, it's okay. Fine, great, separate, but also equal. You know, which that term has a very, like, jarring...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a divisive (laughs) thing. Yeah, it's a divisive
1: thing, but it's true when it comes to music. Like, things can be separate, but also equal. And I use that term very loosely in this situation, but... That's something you have to think about. Not everybody's tastes are the same. Yeah. And that's a big thing that I struggle with with being here because, I mean, 80-something, 100 families, like, okay. We like to say most of them are young, but the young ones aren't the ones showing up for mass. Right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of take and give when it comes to that. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny, because for a while, my stock answer, when someone would ask me, like, what's your favorite, like, Christian music? I would always say uh, Mumford & Sons' first album, <laughs> because... I mean, it's a great album. It's a great outside, no more, is a great album. Yeah. <laughs> and I would kind of say it in jest, because, like, obviously, they're not labeled as Christian, mm-hmm. but their, their lyrics are so Christian, just in the sense that, like... <laughs> There's some guy who's, like, <laughs> slamming his computer shut, like, this guy is full of garbage. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't, it's one of those things that, like, they speak universal truths right. in their songs. Yeah. And you can't discredit that. Obviously, you would never use that in a liturgy Right. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, it would, yeah, like, if it brings you, if it draws you closer to Christ and if it's, if it's leading you to think about those mm-hmm. uh, universal truths that, Jesus definitely taught I mean it's yeah that's something
1: you have to be more accepting to breaking some musical rules and there's a lot of strong hand on a lot of that and which I get I, I, I totally understand why that is and you know continuity reasons and you know fear of not making m- big mistakes and you know stuff like that yeah all very valid but um, there's there's a it's an okay thing to kind of stray away from the norm. I mean, when I first got here there was a lot of like clapping going on and that <laughs> yeah. people were like, "Whoa." And like it was shocking for me. I I wasn't trying. I wasn't conducting to get an applause, but if the spirit moves you that much to like you have to do something with your body and if the if it impacted you that much that you need to clap, I think that's a good thing. Hmm. And we're and we're very afraid of that. And I've had this conversation with Many powers that be in the church, and it's something that I think we need to be more open to. And there's always a the thing about being the silent Catholics in the back of the church that don't say anything or don't talk. Yeah, and
0: I'm totally in that camp, by the way. Like, yeah, I've, I grew up in a parish that was kind of mm-hmm. clappy, clap happy, or yeah. so to say. And uh, to be honest, it's not like my cup of tea, right? But you know, I th-
1: but I think yeah. if people are, it's okay to allow them to experience that. And if it doesn't work for some people, fine. But if people like get so excited that they even need to stand up, awesome, let them do it. Because it means the spirit is moving them in a way that they haven't experienced before. Hmm. And that's how I look at it. And and there's always that like that question like, are you performing or are you, Yeah. there's always that's that fine line. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to struggle with a lot because I, I have a performance background. That's yeah. who I am. And when you're in front of a crowd of people, you're always on no matter what That's just how we're trained and if I'm in front of 1400 people. I'm gonna see that as a performance even if I am in church. That's just what it is
0: No, yeah, I've been in church choirs too and it's yeah it's a tough balance because ultimately you're like an aid to people's worship experience and that's like how you have to treat it because if you're going through the mass and uh You're like, man, we didn't get a round of applause. Like, we didn't do well. Right. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Like, there may be Joe, whatever his name is, like in the back pew, and maybe he had like his first religious experience at a mass like ever, Mm -hmm. and maybe he wasn't clapping because it's like if he's the only guy clapping, that's kind of weird. Right. But you know, you never know like who you're affecting Mm -hmm. when with your voice and with your praise towards God. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a very. I would say it's it's very validating when all the work you put in, and I always say that I wanna I want to change at least one life this Sunday. That's kind of like my weekly goal when I come in and conduct the choir. It's like if I can affect one person in a positive way and make them feel the spirit of being drawn closer to Christ because of what we've done, then my job is done. And that comes with a lot of like humbling myself, humbling the situation, because, you know, you get all this, like, fancy training, and then you come into ministry, and all that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you came from, you know, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Like, how are you serving the people at that point? Mm-hmm. So it's a very and – I, and I gave that talk to my to the choir last week. It's like I now that I'm singing again professionally outside of here, I have grown a very big appreciation for being here because – it's it's a little more relaxed, but it's also you can see like the really good that's happening, yeah, and the effect, and it's different than just performing. You know, you're changing lives.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. Yeah, awesome. If you're upset with your music in your parish, uh, give it a chance. Yeah, give it a chance, and you know maybe you might find that it helps helps aid your worship experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just know that the music director at your parish is trying. <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs>
1: I've never heard anything more true. <laughs>
0: All right, well, cool. Terry, thanks for, thanks for being